Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I understand you and Asha having some marital problems. Well, we're going on a weekend away. Maybe that will help. We really need to bring the boat. That's a pretty great view. I thought you'd like it. You get the kid. I'll get the parents. And we're up. Three systems, three servers, three different ISPs. I want you to transfer $10 million into three separate accounts. Do you realize I could do whatever I want to? She's here. Don't mess around, she's a trained archer. Shoot to kill. You know, when Raiden gets back, she is going to punish you, but big time. Well, I can get pretty crazy too. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 485. Releasing December 8 in select cinemas across Australia is Avarice, a home invasion thriller that stars Gillian Alexi as Kate, a world champion archer who, while on a much-needed family holiday with her investment baker husband and teenage daughter, is subjected to a terrifying home invasion by a group of mercenaries. Kate must use her skills and cunning to outwit her captors and save her family. An intense watch of high stakes and potent filmmaking, Avarice marks the latest film from Western Australian director John V. Soto, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. John, thank you very much for joining me again. And thanks for inviting me, Matt. Really appreciate it. So the last time you and I spoke was back in 2018. We talked about um, The Gateway, or as yes. my US uh, listeners will know, as Alpha, Ga- Alpha Gateway. Um, yeah. It was around that time that you were approached with the idea of doing Avarice and pretty much you yes. approached with doing like a home invasion uh, thriller. What was it about yep. that genre or subgenre of film, which from what I, I know of your filmography, it hasn't been something that you've really touched before. What was it about that, you know, it's type of story that really kind of appealed to you uh, that you wanted to really get your hands um, on that type of movie? Well, um, to be honest, I didn't want to do a home invasion movie initially. Um, and the reason why is there's so many good ones out there. Mm. So it's like it's been done before. So The Strangers, obviously, um, Panic Room, um, even Firewall with Harrison Ford, Funny Game. So, you know, it's been done before, and I've seen most of them, um, most of the films. And it was like, well, what could we do that's, that's fresh and, and new? Uh, and so that was the that was my apprehension. But 
after um, discussing it with Adam um, uh, Enslow and Dane Millard and, and later on another writer called Andrew Slattery, we kind of realized now we can we can we can bring something we can bring something fresh here first so we can make an Australian um, home invasion movie. Um, secondly, uh, we can um, twist the tables so it's not uh, stuck in the one location because quite often um, a lot of the home invasion films it's just the house and you're there the whole you know virtually the whole 90 minutes. So uh, my thought was well, why why not break out of the house and what if we did like a like a reverse home invasion movie where um sure the home you know the family has a, has a home invasion and there's things that you know happen there um but then the uh the hero turns the tables on the bad guys and invades their home and goes mm. into their so i've not seen that before so i thought well that is fresh um the other thing that i wanted also was um I wanted to have the hero have some sort of super skill. Um, that so I want first. I wanted everyone to be like normal, um, normal people. Not they're not like um, martial arts experts and acrobats and stuff like that. Uh, I guess you know Panic Room is a good example where they've got where the mother doesn't really have any skills. She's just a mum. And However, in, in in the film, to balance the, the odds up, I thought it'll be good if she had some uh, skills of a weapon of some sort, and and just to, you know because you're talking about um, you know three or four about four soldiers, ex soldiers, ex military that invade the house, and she's got to but there's more five. She's got to take those guys on, and it's like well, she's got to have something to to give her a chance. That thing that is in the movie is that the character is an archer. She's skilled with a bow and arrow to the point where she's like Olympic, Olympic level good. I mean, yeah. we see her at the start of the film, she's, t- she's taking part in tournaments and such. The whole thing with the bow and arrow is like we've seen it in films before, everything from, you know, your Robin Hood movies to Rambo to Hunger Games. The thing that I like about how you use it in, in your movie, in Avarice, is that those movies, whenever the bow and arrow is used, there seems to be like a kind of like a weightlessness to it. And almost seems like almost kind of like a supernatural kind of like instinct between the, the shooter and the weapon itself. It can whiz around. Yeah. They never run out of arrows. There's a weight and a starkness to the use of the bow and arrow in your movie. Um, yeah. When that first kill happens, it's like that. And it really shocked me just how quick it is. Yeah. And also just that there's that great sound design, just that thud that comes with it as well. And I really appreciated yeah. that. Um, is that something that you really wanted to have in your movie? You want to make sure that it isn't like some type of superhero movie or, as you mentioned before, like a martial artsy kind of thing. It's got to be something where it's the real-world application of a real-world weapon. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, well, firstly, you know, we had to decide, uh, what weapon she would be proficient at, and we did look at, you know, things like nunchucks um, and knives, and even axe throwing, and all these crazy weapons. We went through the whole lot, mm. samurai swords. But we thought, well, um, in fact, I uh, was driving past um, a field. There's a there's a oval near where I live, and and there's a, a small archery club, and they practice archery there, and that kind of just stuck in my mind. And so when we were discussing it. Um, uh, I, I didn't. I think I don't know who brought it up. It might have been Andrew Slattery or one of the guys. We all were throwing out suggestions, and archery came up. But I definitely love that idea. Uh, let's let's make it archery. But again, as you said, 
we don't want it to be like the ridiculous archery in Hawkeye where you get um, any archer will tell you that 99% of the stuff he does there just doesn't just doesn't work. Mm. The real you know, physics don't work and the, the, just, you know, it's just so it's nonsensical. I want it to be grounded in, um, you know, for instance, um, in, the, in the film uh, with archers, um, in the film that the, uh, the hero has to assemble her bow, archers don't walk around with a full-strung bow on their back and just have it handy if they can just use whatever they want. What they do at the end of, end of the archery uh, tournament or competition or practice, they disassemble their bow. They, put, they, they take it all apart and they pack it away. So um, in the film, you'll see her actually put the bow and arrow together. She, so she does. So she had to have lessons to learn how to do that really quick. But you can do it in about a minute or minute, minute 90 seconds. It's a bit of work because you've, you've got to assemble the bow and then you've got to string the bow as well and, that's, and, and tighten the bow and do the tension on it and stuff like that. So there's, there's, I wanted to bring a reality to it and it's pretty much – um i think in a real world situation that's exactly how it would go like uh and you know if you um if you're in a house and someone fires uh, a, an arrow at you with one of those you know those bows um they produce an incredible amount of um force yeah <clears throat> fires that at you and you're like two meters away or three meters away it's going to take you out so we, we try to make it as realistic as possible. Those bows also have a bit of a weight to it as well. My brother, my older brother years ago, used to have a proper size kind of bow. Um, yeah. And a couple of things I was surprised by is, number one, the, the weight of it. Um, yes. And also, number two, when you pull the cable back, people think it's string. It's not string. It's an actual thick cable. And you yeah. have to try to pull, you have to really kind of, Pull it down. I'm, I'm I'm doing this on video, so people won't be able to see. Yeah. But like you have to hold it down. You have to kind of lift it up with as much pressure you can, maintain that pressure as well with that arrow down. I mean, it takes some time to do it. So when it comes yes. to, to to Gillian Alexi, who plays the role of Kate in, in, in the Archer in the movie, has she had any experience before using uh, a, a, a bow and arrow, or was this kind of like the first time uh, getting into that kind of um, not only the um, getting used to the, the physicality of, of you know the the weapon itself, but also there's a there's a certain amount of um uh, what's what I'm looking for concentration and focus that needs to be applied to it oh, as well because yeah. I've let go of a cable before without a without a bow on it and that thing almost took my nose off because that's yeah. some thrust that goes past you. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So firstly, um, no, uh, Gillian had no experience in firing a bow and arrow. Uh, and so we had to have training. So we had professional archers who trained her for about two and a half weeks. Um, so she had uh, quite, a, quite a few hours of, of archery practice. And um, the second thing was um, that uh, she was doing uh, proper competitive archery um, like training. So she was, she was shooting at targets that were about 50 metres away. Mm. And yeah. And she was doing that day after day, hours and hours and hours and hours of that. And uh, she was at, towards the end of her training. She was actually hitting uh, bullseyes, which was like they said to me, "Hey, we've not. You know, this is such. She has picked it up so quick. They're like she's probably got a future to being a professional archer if she wanted to." Um, the other thing, though, with it, and as you said, that string, the force that comes off it, and it's um, uh, it's actually 
you can you can actually get quite a few injuries on your arm. So the arm that holds the bow, not the arm that pulls back the string and the arrow. When you when you release the arrow, the string goes will go across your um, arm, your forearm, and poor old Gillian. Like I wasn't aware of this. I didn't know about that. Um, I'd done archery once, but not like just. I mean, literally. I think it was just like at some fair <laughs> down south. I did like for like twenty minutes. Um, but she uh, she had was really badly bruised on her forearm. Like it was just it was pretty much black and blue all the way along her arm from the string and and um that's even with because you wear protective covers on your on the left arm so uh no she was an absolute um you know like she 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 dug in she's a trooper she just kept doing it kept doing the training regardless of what the pain she also said it i mean you're right about they're, they're not like they're not like it's not like you know balsa wood it's you know it's steel mm. it's a steel bow um, well, aluminium, but still very heavy. You you hold your hand out with a you just you just get like a one kilo weight. Hold it, hold your hand out, your arm out straight, and see how long you can go. You can probably go maybe four or five minutes, or even not even that. And your, your arm's really sore. So she had to deal with that. So she was getting she had very sore muscles, shoulders, back, uh, and her arms. Um, but she did it. So um, that's why I'm so uh, proud of her as well that she took it on and. Probably naively, I think, didn't think it would be as difficult as what it was, but she delivers on it, and it looks real. Her, her archery is real. So we had the archery consultants advise us all the way through on the film. Absolutely does. I mean, that, and that's the thing when watching them. When you see Gillian with that bow and arrow, it looks like it's something that she kind of like maybe like sleeps with at night. It seems like a weapon of obsession yeah. almost because it's almost like an extension, extension of her. Yeah, um, that's what we wanted. To, that, that's exactly what the impression I wanted to give. That that's her thing. That's her focus. In fact, it's so much her focus. It's causing issues in the family, which is part of the story. Yeah, uh, and it's like she's so obsessed with her archery, much the same way that Ash is obsessed with money and making, closing more deals and making as much money as he can. That they're ignoring their daughter, and that is again uh, the key. One of the keys to the story. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store. Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. The casting on Gillian is really interesting. So she's been in the US for a little while now doing TV over there. In a bunch of big shows, she was in Damages and NCIS and a bunch of others as well. COVID hits. Yeah. Pretty much industry shut down. She comes, has to come back to Australia. And she lives in Western Australia, which is like your backyard pretty much. Um, and that is when I imagine you probably reached out to her and uh, gave her the script for the film. Is that uh, right? Or yeah, 
Yeah, that's exactly right. She and her family retreated from LA because things were going crazy over there um, in early 2020. Um, because lockdowns and protests and masking and, and, and obviously the fatalities from it because it was mm. it wiped out, unfortunately, wiped out a lot of people. Um, so they decided to retreat back to WA. Uh, we had a strict border policy, border closure policy, uh, and uh, our great premier, Mark McGowan, had that had it under control. So life was relatively normal here and we carried on normally except uh, when it came to the shoot, we had to obviously mask up so we didn't infect one another uh, and then had to go through a lot of rigmarole of all the COVID testing because this, you know, it's a sneaky virus. So you don't think it's, you might think it, it's not there in, in the community, but it's pretty much, it is there lurking and it can um, shut you down and, and it can, and, you know, a lot of actors um, have been on films. I've heard lots of horror stories in, from the US and Europe where films have been shut down halfway through or a third of the way through in production and the actor's like super sick and they can't go to set and so nothing, the film has to stop. So, it's a, so yeah, COVID is a nuisance. But, uh, but on the bright side for us, it, it brought Gillian back to Perth um, and she just happened to enjoy the, the script, love the script, and then... I managed to secure her, which was, you know, really exciting. What's really interesting about your film, about Avarice, is that not only do you have a protagonist as female, but your main antagonist is female as well. You don't see yes. that much. Usually it's kind of like a like a pit, like a, a, a battle of the sexes and like the female protagonist has to rise to like to match the strength and, and all this other stuff with the male. In this case, though, you have Alexandra Nell, who plays the role of Reed, and she's really kind of like this hardened military woman. Um to the point where, like, she's pushing around her muscle-bound goons all around the place and, like, and they don't yeah. want nothing to do with her, you know. They're like, yeah. don't mess with her. She's crazy. Yeah. Um, just do what she says, you know. Um, and it's a really interesting performance because it seems like it's a character who has a really strong background to her. She has scars on her face. There's a certain demeanour towards her. Do you and Alexandra talk about backstory in regards to the, the character, especially in regards oh, yeah. to the application of like physical wounds? Like, is a scar oh, on the face kind of applied to some type of uh, military uh, um, espionage kind of thing that might have happened somewhere in the world? And she yeah, wears it no, proudly. Totally. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole like we yeah we there's a quite a big backstory for her. So she was uh, an Australian uh, a soldier. Um, and um, she was, uh, you know, stationed in Iraq, or sorry, in the Middle East, Syria, uh, and was involved in some operations over there, and got captured and got tortured. Um, uh, but one of her one of her super skills, so you can't have, you know, no skills. Firstly, she's she's um, good with a knife. Mm. Um, I've seen she um, pulls that out at certain times, and uh, she's also, you know, like most of the antagonists. In films and some of these films, she's uh, she's damaged goods, so she's psychologically unbalanced. And you'll see that there's a, there's a scene there where they, they have a um, after Jillian uh, after Jillian suffers a major loss and uh, she's confronted by Reed, is like um, uh, sort of you know uh, menacing her with a gun. Um, she her um, kind of um, weirdness and unhinged personality comes through where she said you know in another life we could be friends and it's like well 
And then Jillian's like, "There's no, you know, this, what, are you crazy?" And and um, she is. She's 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 psychopathic and she's unhinged. And it's very much that was. I think yeah, the very much uh, her what happened in the Middle East to her had messed her up. And she is um, yeah out for. You, you don't want to mess with her because she will kill you. As simple as that. I wanted someone. You can't have a weak antagonist and a strong protagonist. It's very difficult. And I didn't want to have a guy like she's got her, her goons, her, her bodyguards, bodyguards. Her, she doesn't need bodyguards. She's got her mercenary uh, team, and those guys don't muck around. They're pretty hardcore. Mm. Um, they're afraid of her. She's unpredictable, and um, she 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 runs them really well. And then above her, obviously, there's someone else. There's Riker, who's pulling the strings, um, and who is also ex-military, who, who essentially recruited everyone for the for the for the. Um, for the home invasion, um, and the yeah, once anymore. But yeah, that's um, she. I thought it's important to have. Um, I'd liked the idea of having a female antagonist and a female protagonist. I think kind of similar with what happened with um, uh, the Gateway. Um, this movie, Avarice, has uh, like has been released in like other territories outside of Australia first. So you're pretty much almost everywhere now. North America, yeah. I know you're over there, but you're for places like um, certain European territories, like UK, I'm pretty sure, and Singapore and such. Germany, um, yeah. When you uh, decide in regards to distribution, how important is it to get that movie out <coughs> to the international markets first? Because I don't know about you, but it seems to me, and it's a shame, it really is, that unless there's an Australian movie that pushes some type of, I don't know, message or trying to do some kind of arty kind of thing, there's no backing of it. And when it comes to yeah. kind of like the genre films, um, those are the films that kind of like do well overseas but not so much in Australia for some reason. And the shame of it is that it's the genre films past and present and, and probably in the future as well that put Australian filmmaking on the map. All yes. the way back to Mad Max, yeah. to Wolf Creek, and everything in between, and afterwards. Yeah, those films that delve into the horror and action and sci-fi. Those are the movies that kind of put our filmmakers to the map and our industry to the point where genre filmmakers in big studios are coming here to to film well, movies because we have the resources yeah. and the crews, right? But how well, that's the irony. That's, yeah, exactly. that's a very ironic thing, and what you're saying is exactly right. Yeah, so George Miller, um, you know, his first film was essentially an apocalyptic. You know, action horror film, really, um, sci-fi apocalyptic, you know, um, film, and uh, and you're right. There's a lot of films like that. Wolf Creek is another good example. Um, there are many. There are Razorback. I mean, there are literally uh, dozens, hundreds of films like that. And um, and but you know, our film funding bodies now look. I will say that the, the state film funding bodies are much that they, they are far more flexible, and we we got support for this film from Screen West. They loved the project, they liked the script, and they said, "You know what? We're going to back this," and they did back the film. So I'm very appreciative of Screen West. I, I they're fantastic, and they support. They've supported. They actually, yeah, they've got a track record. They've supported Ben Young's um, Hounds of Love and um, Zach Hilditch's film uh, These Final Hours. So they support genre films. Yeah, which is which is probably different to some other states. Um, federally, um, it, you know, would be nice for uh, Screen Australia to support more genre films. But at the same time, I say that, but they are starting to. So I have seen, and they have in the past. I mean, obviously, The Babadook and there's a few others. They have supported genre films, but it does seem to be predominantly um, 
dramas and, yeah, as you said, uh, uh, films like that. Um, look, at the end of the day, um, I think um, Screen Australia, I think it has to kind of be seen to be supporting Australian culture and uh, films like that. Um, but, yeah, it would be nice if they could tip the balance a bit more to genre films. That would be That would be great. Well, it's really great um, that Avarice has been shown in cinemas like uh, across the nation. Um, have you had a chance to, you know, watch with an audience, with a cinema audience? Uh, the yeah, film as yeah. Well? Yeah, we yeah, had a screening because uh, obviously it played at Cinefest Oz uh, in Perth and uh, I, I watched it with the audience there. Yeah, they loved it. They really enjoyed it. Lots of people came up to me afterwards and asked questions about the movie. Um, the film has played uh, overseas, actually. It played in Canada at the Montreal Film Festival, Independent Film Festival, and it won Best Thriller, so that's yep. pretty cool. Um, and, look, at the end of the day, um, you know, I want to make films for the widest possible audience, not just Australians. Obviously, I'd like to get as many Australians to go see my film as I can, but you just want you want the film to travel and, and, and be seen overseas. And so far, the film... Uh, and, and, and for that to happen, distributors, international distributors are the gatekeepers to how how successful your film is internationally. And um, on for Avarice, you know, we've pr- our sales agent has pretty much sold the film to just about every territory in the world. So, yeah, so it's getting, it's, you know, Germany, being released in Germany, Turkey, Japan, South Korea, USA, Canada, Poland, the Middle East. Um, just goes on and on. Portugal, France, Spain, um, yeah. So South Africa, um, Philippines, Indonesia. I can go on. It, it, it's it's they like the film. They can see that um, you know the average person will enjoy it, and um, you know chuck it on the TV or, or uh, watch it in the theatre because we've got a couple of uh, countries that are releasing it in theatres. Um, so yeah, so for myself, um, that is, uh, a nice tick. Great. I made a film that, um, distributors think people in the world will enjoy. And so far it's, um, doing well, um, internationally. And now it's time for Australian audiences to get out there and watch Avarice with releases December 8th in select cinemas across Australia. I really recommend people check this film out. If you'd like to watch a really intense, entertaining um, action thriller movie. Um, really good performances as well. Um, I forgot to mention uh, Luke Ford's in the movie, um, Nick Atkinson, uh, Priscilla Ann Jacob as well, um, uh, Victoria Flary. I mean, a lot of people were in this film all do a really good job. Ryan Panizza as, as uh, Kane, a mercenary. Yeah, actually, he's, doing, he's great. He's did a really good yeah. job in the movie as well. Um, but I yeah, recommend everyone check out this movie. Watch it in a cinema because um, especially even though it's a photography great, but I think the sound design is really good in this movie as well. Yes. Um, yeah. when, I, when I when I first saw the first kill with the bow and arrow with the thud, I went pop out of my seat um, <laughs> yeah. because the it was just the impact of it. Um, I think what surprised me more than anything was just the natural kind of like uh, the sound yeah. towards it. It wasn't anything that was heightened in any way, um, yeah. and it was just I think it was just a really fantastic, fantastically uh, shot scene as many are others are in the movie. And uh, John V. Soto, I thank you so very much for your time. Congratulations with the film. Um, Thank you. I know it's been a few years since the last film. I, I know you're working on a like a supernatural thriller right now. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I've got a supernatural thriller. I've got a, I've got a uh, a UK. I've already got a UK and a US 
um, distributors that want to pick it up. So, I'm, but when it's ready, I've got to, I like working on the script and really thinking it through and making it as, as good as I can before we go into production. But um, yeah, I'd like to get that one up hopefully next year. Um, but yeah, as you said, it'd be great for uh, fellow Australians to support an Australian film. And um, quite often you hear the complaint, oh, well, I don't want to go to watch that Australian film because it's, it's, it doesn't appeal to me. It's, it's a drama or it's about drug addicts. Or, well, this is a film that's, which is appealing to a lot of Americans and a lot of you know, international audiences. And it's, uh, I think it's a film that Aussies will enjoy. And they should be proud we've made this in Australia. It's 100% Australian. Every, everything, every aspect is Australian. So, um, yeah, it would be nice if um, people could come out to support the film and watch it uh, in the cinema. And don't wait for DVD or not DVD, VOD, please, in the cinema. Yes, I, I highly um, second that as well and recommend people do check it in the cinema, watch it with our fellow Australian cinema goers, watch it for the performances, the sound design, the excellent action shots, a great POV shots throughout the film as well. Um, it really works really well. And John B. Soto, thank you again for your time and, and congratulations. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Cheers, buddy.